Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. If you heard that little technical disturbance, um, I apologize for that. Uh, my name is uh, Kennard Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program. I know I haven't been on here for a while, uh, but I had to um, do some serious thought about how I would like to uh, continue with... Um, you know, preaching on this program and came up with some ideas of what I'm going to do. So um, I'm going to continue to to, to preach uh, to as many people as I can, try to meet reach as many people as I can uh, with uh, this message of the Bible and the fact that we need to be obeying it and uh, we need to do all we need to do to to make sure that we are obeying the Almighty God. All right, so uh, with that, I'm going to do a Bible study today on uh, what's going on with Damascus. Uh, this is a situation I think that's been going on for a few years, and uh, it's starting to get really serious, and not serious enough to say that it's the end of the world, but it's serious enough to uh, give us some attention. And we need to... Uh, take this serious and it seemed like we, we only take things serious like uh, with the poor French people uh, they they had an attack and uh, this was something that uh, was very unique for the French people we need to be praying for them uh, many of you probably don't realize that the French people are a part of the tribes of Israel uh, the tribes of Israel are listed in Genesis chapter 49 and you can turn there with me if you want Genesis chapter 49, and Yaakov, or Jacob, called unto his sons, and he said, Gather yourselves together. This is Genesis chapter 49, verse 1, Bereshit 49, verse 1. Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. And that phrase, the last days, uh, really means the days before the coming of the Messiah, Hebraically, in the Hebrew way those who are listening to me for the first time. Uh, Genesis chapter 49, verse 2. Bereshit is Hebrew for Genesis. It means beginning. Gather yourselves together and hear, ye sons of Yaakov. Yaakov is Hebrew for Jacob. And hearken unto Israel, your father. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, 
thou shalt not excel, because thou went up to thy father's bed, then defileth it when you went to my couch. So this says a lot about who Reuben is, but again, this is in an end-time setting, which means that we will be able to identify who Reuben is in the last days. Well, who is Reuben? Come as a shock to many of you, but Reuben are the French people today. And to be able to prove this to yourself, I should say the majority of Reubenites, Reubenites have been scattered just like all the rest of the tribes around the world. However, the majority of them are located in the area of France. Reuben in Hebrew connotes season. Reuben became prominent among the French who were dominated by the Ruby Franks and other groups named after the clans of Reuben. So the Hebrew for Reuben is Siasun, and the very name Reuben denotes pride. I'm getting this off of Yer Davidi's website. If you go to his website and you type in Britam.org, B-R-I-T-A-M.org, forward slash R-E as an elephant, U as an underdog, B as a boy, E-N.html, you will come up with this uh, very thorough article proving that Reuben is indeed France. The very date of Reuben denotes pride and the demand for personal honor. At the same time, Reuben was born as a compensation to his mother from God for the relative disrespect or lesser love shown her by her husband. Leah and Rachel were sisters. Both were married to Yaakov. Leah resented her sister Rachel. We could expect Reuben to grow up absorbing some of the resentment Especially since he was too, he too was to be replaced in his father's affections by Joseph, the son of Rachel. We do not find it's just the opposite. On the one hand, we do not find that Reuben has the same leadership qualities as Joseph and Judah, uh, who both replaced him. And, and if you have listened to my programs of read your Davidi's books, uh, you'll understand that Joseph consists of Ephraim and Manasseh, and Ephraim is uh, Britain today. Great Britain, and uh, Manasseh is the United States. Um, he states, on the other hand, we do not find that Reuben has the same leadership qualities of Joseph and Judah. Judah is the Jews today. On the other hand, we do find a genuine nobility of character with Reuben. He likes honor. The French people do like honor, don't they? He tries to assert himself and be a leader. When things do not work out as he may have wanted, Reuben accepts it. He accepts the limitations. Reality is placed upon him. It works within them. The sages pointed out the difference between Esau and Reuben. Esau has an eternal resentment against Yaakov or Jacob because Jacob took away his birthright. Reuben also has his birthright, lost his birthright to Joseph, but he has no resentment but rather attempts to rescue Joseph from the resentment of his other brothers. Now, what is very interesting about Reuben is that Reuben brought the mandrakes to his mother. According to some opinions, mandrakes were highly prized or prized because they had fertility-enhancing properties. Reuben became dominant in France. The French have an international reputation, dessert or not, for being romantic. This is certainly true, ladies and gentlemen. I know whenever I think of France, I'm thinking about um, <laughs> romance. In the above case, we see that Reuben, even as a child and with no such intention, got himself involved in an altercation amongst women involving feminine desires. So 
Ruben has his issue with uh, the sex, ladies and gentlemen, and, uh, and it certainly has been proven uh, throughout the years that uh, the French certainly have a reputation uh, for that. Also, the names of groups that settled in France are those of Ruben and clans of Ruben. And Ruben, we identify with groups that settled primarily in France and greatly influenced the French national character. They have the characteristics of being passionate, sensitive, unstable, cultured, refined, seekers of justice, daring, etc. And so if you want more detailed information, I suggest you go to Britam.org and get your Davidi's excellent research book, The Tribes. Or you could uh, review his comprehensive website. He has so much information to prove that these 12 tribes a day consist primarily of the Western nations. Uh, sure, uh, other tribes have been scattered worldwide, but come on, when we you have to use our common sense when we look at the, what the Bible says about who these tribes are and what they have. There's no doubt that they have to consist primarily or um, the majority of uh, where they are located today consists of the of the uh, Western nations, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, the little nation of Israel as well, because they're Judah. All right, so what does the Bible say? I showed you one prophecy of Reuben. There's another prophecy of Reuben in Deuteronomy. Uh, Would a fridge always be unstable? No. The good news, as the prophet Moses prophesied in Deuteronomy chapter 33, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 6, says, Let Reuben live and not die, and let his men be few. Uh, let not his men be few. I'm sorry. And so that's that's good news in the end the, the Reubenites or the French people uh, won't be few so and uh, the prophet's uh, goal through the inspiration of the, the, the Ruach called condition the Holy Spirit is that Reuben should live and not die so that's the good news uh, the French people will weather the storm they will get over this like all the other tribes and uh, they will be uh, saved or rescued the majority of them of the people of the tribes, because uh, the tribes, their ultimate goal is to lead the rest of the world, ladies and gentlemen, to righteousness. That is one of the, the purposes of, uh, one of the major purposes of the tribes, of all the tribes of Israel, is to lead the world to righteousness. Isaiah 60, verse 1, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Master is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Master shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. This is in the context of um, Israel. And so that that is the... Uh, the ultimate goal of Israel is to be a light to the nations. Uh, I tried to explain this many times to, to my students. Um, when there is a dark room, what is the natural inclination? The natural inclination is to turn a light on so that you can see. Well, that's what the tribes of Israel should be doing worldwide. They should be a light for the other nations to be able to uh, see, to see what? To see biblical truth, to see the true way of, of light, of to be able to live properly. 
So, uh, and unfortunately, we so far have failed in that ultimate goal, but in the future we will not. So that 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 is the uh, thing that we need to understand that ultimately the tribes of Israel will fulfill their responsibilities and their responsibility of being a light to the rest of uh, the nations of the world because God is an equal opportunity God and he wants all people to to be saved, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just uh, Israel as some uh, sects of uh, religion are teaching incorrectly. All right, so... We talked a little bit about the French people. Now let's get to this issue with uh, Damascus here, what's going on. Uh, if you've been paying attention to the news lately, Russia, China, uh, now the French people, of course, and and, and other nations are, are getting involved in this situation. And so I have decided to talk about it here and show you what the Bible says is going to happen, or what God says is going to happen. Isaiah 17, verse 1, it says, the burden of Damascus. Now, what is the word burden? What does it mean, uh, according to the Word Study Dictionary? It's a masculine noun, meaning a burden, a load, an extension, a burden in the form of a prophetic utterance or oracle. And so this is a prophetic utterance or oracle. So this is the prophetic utterance or oracle of Damascus. So let's pay attention. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city, it shall be a ruinous heap. Okay, so has Damascus ever been a ruinous heap? Has it? Well, let's look at what um, John Gill, a Hebrew scholar, has stated in his commentary. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city, a kingdom, as a targum. It was the head of one, but now its walls were demolished, its houses pulled down, and its inhabitants carried captive. This was done by the king of Isaria, which was found in Second Kings chapter 16, verse 9. It had been a very ancient city. And the head of the kingdom of Syria, and though it underwent this calamity, it was rebuilt again and was a city of great fame when destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. And this is found in Jeremiah 49, verse 24, after which it was raised up again and was in and was in being in the apostles' time and still is. And that's true. It still is in existence. So has this prophecy been fulfilled? Some people say it has. No, it has not, because the Bible, unless we're misunderstanding something, the Bible says it shall be a ruinous heap. And then it says in verse 2, The cities of Aurora are forsaken, and they shall be for flocks which shall lie down, and none shall make them afraid. And so it's going to be a ruinous heap, but it's not a ruinous heap, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 3, the fortress. Now, that word fortress in, in Hebrew means mitachra, uh, and it means a fortification, a fortified city, a defender. In other words, a, a area of defense. And so it says right here, the area of defense also shall cease from Ephraim. Now, who is Ephraim? Well, you need to go to your Davidi's website, www.britam.org, to understand who it is. But I'll quickly tell you that Ephraim, especially in this context, is referring to the area in the, in the Middle East, um, Israel, that particular geographical area. But it also uh, can be referring to uh, all the lost, so-called lost ten tribes of Israel, the Western nations as well. Uh, if you look at the, the book of Hosea, 
when it, a lot of times when it talks about Ephraim, it's talking about those ten tribes. Also, in Ezekiel chapter 37, uh, if you want to turn there with me, Ezekiel chapter 37, it states the following here, uh, beginning in uh, verse 14. Well, actually, uh, starting at verse 15, The word of the Master came unto me, saying, Well, but thou son of man, take thee one stick, and write upon it for Judah, and for the children of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick, and write upon it for Joseph. Joseph, it's another name for Ephraim, because uh, Ephraim is one of Joseph's sons the stick of Ephraim, and for all the, all the house of Israel, his companions. And so right there, that scripture proves that Ephraim, in a lot of contexts in the Bible, some areas in the Bible, uh, can refer to all, the, all, the, all those ten tribes. All right, so let's go back <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 17. So the defense also shall cease from Ephraim. This is certainly speaking of that area of Ephraim <clears throat> in, in the Middle East, uh, in Jerusalem. The West Bank, and also the kingdom from Damascus, and the remainder of Syria. They shall be as the glory of the children of Israel. And the Bible is going to describe what the glory of the children of Israel is. Uh, let the Bible interpret itself in verse 4. Shall be as the glory of the children of Israel, says the Lord of hosts. And in that day it shall come to pass that the glory of Yaakov, so here's the interpretation of what he meant in verse 3, the glory of Yaakov shall be made thin. And the fatness of his flesh shall wax lean. So, what's going to happen here, perhaps in this century, uh, it, it appears that uh, that it will happen soon. We don't know. That's why he tells us to watch. That's what we're doing. That's what I'm doing. But anyway, the, the Bible, in any case, uh, says that uh, something's going to happen to Ephraim here. And this is referred to, to some kind of economic uh, collapse. In verse 4, in that day it shall come to pass that the glory of Yaakov shall be made thin, and the fatness of his flesh shall wax lean. Verse 5, and it shall be as when the harvestman gathereth the corn. So this this is talking about socioeconomics, the ability to take care of yourself, making a living, and reaping the ears with his arm, and it shall be as he that gathereth ears in the valley of Rephaim. Verse 6, yet gleaning grapes shall be left in it as the shaking of an olive tree, two or three berries at the top of the uttermost bow, four or five and uttermost fruitful branches thereof, says the Lord, Yah of Israel. At that day, shall a man look to his maker, and his eyes shall have respect to the Holy One of Israel. Now this is very interesting that it alludes all the way to a man looking to his neighbor. And that that is very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. And so uh, one of the commentary states here, this is the uh, Believer's Bible commentary, states, in the day of judgment, Israel will be disgraced and started, will be stripped and harvested like in the valley of Rephaim, only a small river would be left. And uh, what does it say here? In verse, yeah, Isaiah 17, verse 7 to 11, the people will turn to the true living God, the maker, the Holy One of Israel, and we renounce everything that has to do with idolatry. Fortified cities will lie waste, like the cities of the Hivites and the Amorites after the invading. Uh, Israelites had conquered them, and why will all this happen? Because Yah's people have forgotten him and have turned to 
four things, four alliances, religions, and customs, the harvest would be disastrous. And so in the future, uh, things will be okay. This is what this prophecy is telling us. However, uh, that's not the case right now. That's not the case right now. And so... Um, that that is something that we should hope for and uh, pray for. There's another prophecy in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 49, beginning in verse 23. And it says, Concerning Damascus, Hamath is confounded in Arpad, for they have heard evil tidings. Now, we know this happened before, but remember, prophecy can be dual. Concerning Damascus, Hamath is confounded in Arpad, for they have heard evil tidings. They are faint-hearted. There is sorrow on the sea. It cannot be quiet. Verse 24, Damascus is wax feeble, turns herself to flee, and fear have seized or on her. Anguish and sorrows have taken her as a woman in travail. How is the city of praise not left? The city of my joy. The city of my joy. Therefore, her young men shall fall in the streets, and all the men of war shall be cut off in that day, says the Lord of hosts. And I will kindle a fire in the wall of Damascus, and it shall consume the palaces of Ben-Hadad. So, this may happen again, ladies and gentlemen, not in exactly the same way, but based on what the Bible is saying, uh, something certainly is going to happen to Damascus in the future. Amos 1, verse 3 to 5. Let's turn there. Amos 1, verse 3 to 5. Thus says the Master, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not turn away the punishment there, because they have threshed Gilead, with dressing instruments of iron. But I will send a fire into the house of Hazel, and shall devour the palaces of Ben-Hadad. Verse 5, I will break also the bar of Damascus, and cut off the inhabitant from the plain of Avon, and him that holdeth the scepter from the house of Eden. And the people of Syria shall go into captivity unto Ker, says the master. So, this is something, again, that could happen in the future, ladies and gentlemen. So we need to keep an eye on this. We know it happened in the past, but it could happen again in the future. Let's turn back to Isaiah 17, verse 12 to 14. Isaiah chapter 17, verse 12. is still Isaiah chapter 17, which starts out about Damascus being wiped out. And he states right here, Woe to the multitude of many people which make a noise like the noise of the seas, and to the rushing of nations, that make a rushing like the rushing of a mighty water, or mighty waters. Verse 13, the nations shall rush like the rushing of many waters, but God shall rebuke them, and they shall flee far off, and shall be chased as the chaff of the mountains before the wind, and a rolling thing before the whirlwind. And behold, the evening tide trouble, and behold, the morning he is not, this is the portion of them that spoil us and a lot of them that rob us. So, uh, again, this is talking about some devastating event that will happen to Damascus that will involve Israel. Also, another scripture, 
to analyze here. Uh, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 2 to 6. I'm going to start in verse 1. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 1. The burden or the prophecy or oracle of the master, of the word of the master for Israel says, so this involves Israel, so listen up. It's a prophecy of the future. Says the master, which stretcheth forth the heavens and lay up foundation of the earth, and formeth the spirit of man within him. Yes, there is a spirit of man. That's a future broadcast. Verse 2, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people around about, when they shall be in the siege. The siege, what is that in Hebrew? The siege is monster, and it means a mound, a fastness, a, fastness, a defense both against Judah and Jerusalem. And in that day I will make Jerusalem and burn some stone for all. And so this is a particular day this is going to happen. And so Jerusalem will become a burden of stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces on a particular day. Some people have used this for a period, a time period. But this is talking about in a particular day. So let's go by what the Bible says instead of uh, eisegesing it to death. All right? So... All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth will be gathered or uh, be gathered against it. Now, this certainly alludes to the United Nations, because the majority of the United Nations are against Jerusalem or of Israel. Verse four: In that day, says the master. So this is going to happen in a particular day. I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness, and I will open my eyes upon the house of Judah and will smite every horse of the people with blindness. And the governors of Judah, so these are the the, uh, the administrators or the government uh, right now, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's uh, government or some other future government in Israel, so the governors of, of Judah, that's a specific statement there, the governors of Judah shall say in their heart, the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength and the Lord of hosts. There, Yah. In that day will I make the governors of Judah like a herd. So this is going to happen in a particular day. I will make the governors of Judah like a hearth of fire among the wood, and a like a torch of fire in a sheath. And they shall devour all the people round about, on the right hand and on the left. And Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place, even in Jerusalem. So this is good news, ladies and gentlemen. This is talking about some event that's going to occur that will re juvenize the Jewish people. Verse 7, The Lord also shall save the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the master before them. And it shall come to pass in that day and I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplications. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourner for his only son, and shall be a bitterness for him as one that is a bitterness for his firstborn. So this will all lead, of course, to the coming of the Messiah. And it says, In that day shall there be a great mourning of Jerusalem as the mourning of Hadadurman in the valley of Begedon. And the land shall mourn every family apart, the family of the house of David, and the wives apart, the family of the house of Nathan apart, and the wives apart, the family of the house of Levi apart, their wives apart, the family of 
Shimei apart and their wives apart, all the families that remain, every family apart and their wives apart. Now, an interesting development has recently occurred in the news. Uh, one of the chief rabbis of Israel was saying that they are praying for the appearance of the Messiah. Now, could Zechariah chapter 12 be referring to a, a spiritual renaissance of the Jews that the Jews would realize before the Messiah comes back who the Messiah really is? That's a good question, ladies and gentlemen, because in Revelation chapter 11, what does it say? Let's, let's turn there. Revelation chapter 11, starting in verse 1. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God. And well, whenever we see that, ladies and gentlemen, this phraseology is similar to the phraseology in Ezekiel. Let's turn there. Ezekiel chapter 40. Because the book of Ezekiel and all the prophetic books are linked to the book of Revelation, but Ezekiel and Daniel especially is linked to the book of Revelation. Ezekiel chapter 40. Ezekiel chapter 40. And uh, I'm going to read, uh, starting at verse 3. And he brought me thither, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass with a fine or with a line of flax in his hand, and a measuring reed. And he stood in the gate. So here's the measuring reed. Verse 4, And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold, with thine eyes, and, with, and, and, and hear with thine ears, and set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee, for to the intent that I might show unto thee, thou bought hither. Declare all that you see to the house of Israel. So somebody should be declaring this. I know I'm trying to. Declaring what all the prophet Ezekiel saw. And what did he see? He saw a future vision of the temple that will be restored when Yeshua comes back. That's what he saw. Verse 5. However, a precursor to that is the third temple that will be built, despite what people, some people have been incorrectly teaching. The, the Bible highly indicates that the third temple will be built. It has to be built for the abomination of desolation to occur. When Yeshua in Matthew 24, verse 15, stated plainly, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, then what did the... Okay, hold your place in Ezekiel 40. Let me go. I need to go to the scripture here. Matthew 24, verse 15. Matthew 24, verse 15. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. Now, he put this in here for a reason, ladies and gentlemen, because most people don't understand this. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. Whoever readeth, let him understand. Again, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Because most people don't understand this statement. They just don't understand this statement. What, how did the abomination of desolation occur, ladies? You know, when did it first occur? You have to understand your history. It occurred during the period of the Maccabees. That's when it occurred. And when it occurred... Did it involve a built temple? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Since he's telling us that this was spoken by Daniel the prophet, logically we must turn to it to find out what he's talking about. So let's turn to Daniel. Daniel, chapter 11, starting at verse 30. 
For the ships of Chittim shall come. What does Chittim mean in the in the Greek? It means it's talking about the Greeks or the Romans. Shall come against him, therefore he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the Holy Covenant. What's the Holy Covenant? That's the agreement to keep the words of God, who at that time the Jews were adhering to. So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the Holy Covenant. But you always have rotten apples in any organization or group of people that you have. And so he uh, he did return and he did have intelligence. And that word in the Hebrew uh, simply means uh, cutting with them that forsake the Holy Covenant. Verse 31, an arm shall stand on his part and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength. And the sanctuary of strength, the word sanctuary in the in the Hebrew is mikdash, and it means a consecrated thing or place, a sanctuary, a palace, okay, a hollow part, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination and make of desolation. It's talking about the daily sacrifices of the lamb, the morning and evening sacrifice. And so that's what he's talking about, and then, in Daniel chapter 12, it talks about this occurring in an end-time setting. Daniel chapter 12, starting in verse 11, and from the time that the daily, again, you need to look at Numbers chapter 28 to understand what the daily sacrifice is, shall be taken away and the abomination that make of desolate set up, shall be there shall be 1,290 days, you have to understand history. You have to look at the book of Maccabees, the first chapter, which is a history book. And, and it, it tells you in detail what the abomination of desolation is. It simply was Antiochus Epiphanes sacrificing pig on an altar, and he had a statue of Zeus erected by a built, and let me say again, a built temple. Now this happened again. The abomination, a type of it anyway, happened in the first uh, in the first century, around AD sixty nine, AD seventy. In that case, also there was a built temple. The third time, logically, must involve a built temple, ladies and gentlemen. And many people can't understand. Well, how is that going to occur? Well, I just read to you biblically how that's going to occur. The Jews are going to be given uh, power miraculously, to be able to overcome the Arabs finally, and they'll be able to build that temple. That's the only way it's going to be able to occur. Psalm 83 talks about that. That's another prophecy that's going to be fulfilled, along with Isaiah chapter 17. That is the, the first domino effect, mainly, as far as war is concerned. But that has to occur, ladies and gentlemen. Again, uh, Go over this simple scenario. In 1917, the Balfour Declaration by the British people stated that the Jews could come back to the land. Fifty years later on, in 1967, the uh, the war that they had there, they were able to take over the Temple Mount, but they did not take it over in a comfortable way where they can build the temple. Well, 50 days, well, not 50 days, for 50 years from that point, we have 2017. Will the temple be built, initiated, to be built at that time? Will a war occur to allow the Jews to do it? Well, I don't know, but it appears that there may be a possibility. 
based on world events right now. So we need to take a look and see. Now, the Bible plainly states for those who knock me and others because we pay attention to prophecy. I don't pay attention to prophecy all the time, but when things are happening in the news, what does Yeshua tell us to do? Does he tell us to put our head in the sand and don't worry about it? No. Uh, well, he doesn't want to worry about it, but not to be even concerned about it? No. Uh, this is what he states through the apostle Shaul, or Paul, in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, But of the times and the seasons, brother, you have no need that I write it to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the master so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Verse 4, But you, brethren, are not in the darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the light and of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Watching and be sober is also not just watching your spiritual condition, but also looking at world events and how they tie into overall Bible prophecy. Salvation, ladies and gentlemen, is Bible prophecy. God has already prophesied that if we obey him, if we obey him and do as he says, then we will complete the process of salvation. Uh, the process of salvation certainly does involve obedience, ladies and gentlemen. I'd be lying to you if uh, that wasn't the case. What we what we can't do with our obedience is earn salvation. Salvation has already been bought and paid for by the shed blood of Messiah. None of us can open that door. However, to go through that door, we have to obey him. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's what he plainly stated, ladies and gentlemen. In uh, John chapter 15, John chapter 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide uh, in his love. So we uh, have to obey him, ladies and gentlemen. That's that's what we have to do uh, to, to be able to make it. Uh, I can't sugarcoat it at all. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we got to keep those commandments. Got to keep those commandments to the best of our abilities. And we all have our talents, we all have our skills, and we all have our capabilities. And uh, I would be lying to you to say otherwise that uh, we don't have to keep the commandments. So, I just hope that this uh, Bible study today, in John 14, verse 15, I was trying to find the scripture there. John 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. I'm going to say it two more times. <laughs> if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And some smart aleck people that are ignorant about the Bible say, well, uh, Yeshua said that uh, keep his commandments. <sighs> well, his commandments is his father's commandments, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, uh what what he says, the Father has said. And so he's he's one with the Father. And so he's not going to have any separate commandments from his Father. He's not going to have any separate commandments from his Father, ladies and gentlemen. So um, that's something that you have to understand, and uh, I hope that you accept. I hope that you accept that, because this is the truth of the Bible, and... Uh, uh, Yeshua did not come to usurp his father to to uh, be mightier than his father. He he didn't he didn't do any of that. And some people actually, unfortunately, teach that. Uh, 
and that and that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate, and they value the the Messiah more so than the Father, and uh, that, that's that's not uh, that's not accurate. That's not accurate at all. So uh, we 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 have to to tell the truth about those things, and uh, just you know, as as teachers, uh, if some of you are are teachers listening to me, you must. Uh, Certainly teach that correctly. That that wasn't the truth. So that's something that we we uh, must. Uh, in John five verse nineteen, I was trying to find the scripture here. It says, uh, in verse nineteen. Then answered Yeshua and said unto them, Verily, really, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but whatever he sees the Father do. For what things soever he doeth. These also does the son. All right, so that that's a that's a key scripture there to help you to understand that um, the uh, the father, not the son, is the leader of the son, ladies and gentlemen. And in John chapter twelve, verse forty nine, states the following fact: It says, "For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak." And so when he says, if you love me, keep my commandments, he's talking about his father's commandments too. Verse 50, and I know that his commandment is life everlasting whatsoever I speak. Therefore, even as the father says unto me, so I speak. And so that should clarify any statement and say, well, Yeshua had separate commandments or Jesus had separate commandments than the father. No, he didn't. No, he didn't, ladies and gentlemen. And so I hope that explains to you today what helps you give you gives you a better idea of what's going on uh in the Middle East today with Damascus and what could happen in the future. The Bible does predict that um there will be a built temple, uh despite what some people are teaching. And uh here's another scripture. See we didn't have computers that can search phrases in the Bible as we do today. And because of that, many people are confused about what it says. And uh, you have to learn how to use these tools to be able to understand uh, the Bible in a complete way. And so in Matthew 24, verse 15, uh, it says right here, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoever read it, let him understand. In Acts 6, verse 13, it says, And set up false witnesses, which says, This man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. So the holy place is in the context of a built structure in this context. Acts 21, verse 28, Crying out, Men of Israel, this is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place, and further brought Greeks also to the temple, and has polluted this holy place. So this holy place is associated with a temple that was that that uh, was gone into, all right? Hebrews 9, verse 12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place. Again, a holy place is something you enter biblically. Uh, Hebrews 9, verse 25, Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place. Again, the holy place is something you enter into. And so biblically, if you want to believe what the Bible says, uh, the Bible plainly states that the holy place is a physical structure that you enter into that must be in place for the abomination of desolation to occur. 
And that's what the Bible reveals. And that's what I would rather believe is the Bible. And I hope you also would rather believe the Bible than somewhat, someone else preaches. So anyway, uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, may Yah bless and keep you. And Yah willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.